Welcome to the Peace Mini Podcast, a podcast full of resources, stories, and news you could use. Welcome for episode four. We have Karen Crenshaw from uh, Autism Empowerment and Zoom Magazine and Spectrum Life Magazine. And we're going to be talking about um, her organization and projects, uh, the future of the village that they have created with Autism Empowerment, as well as um, the big month, which is Autism Awareness Month, Autism Empowerment Month, Autism Acceptance Month. So hope you enjoy it. And the links to uh, Autism Empowerment, Spectrum Life Magazine, and Zoom Magazine would be on the description. Enjoy. So tell us about yourself. Thank you so much for having me here, Tanya. It's a pleasure to be on your podcast. My name is Karen Krejcia, and I am the executive director and co-founder of Autism Empowerment. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization that was founded in Vancouver, Washington in June of 2011. We were founded by my husband, John, and myself, and we came to be because back in 2008, well, I guess let me just kind of back up a little bit. Back in 2008, I learned that my youngest child was diagnosed on the autism spectrum. He was two years old at the time, and he had had a number of experiences that had suddenly changed his behavior. Um, He had been progressing pretty typically up until about 18 months, but then he started to lose his speech and he started to change different things in his behavior. He would wave backwards instead of forwards. He would start spinning in circles. He would line up his toys and he would grunt and point at things instead of using words. So it was a pretty dramatic regression and we knew that something was different. We have an older child who was seven years older um, who actually ended up getting an autism diagnosis after our youngest child did. And The reason that that child did not get that diagnosis earlier was because in the time that we ended up doing research, which was so much research, trying to sort through so many different things, we just realized that there there was so much out there, but there really wasn't any positive, encouraging information that we could see on a consistent basis for parents. And for us... That was something we were looking for. Um, I got my own diagnosis a couple years later, and that came as a result of going back to an Autism Society of America conference back in 2009 in Illinois. And it was interesting because, well, one, we took our kids cross-country I don't know what we were thinking. We drove a car cross country (laughs) with a two-year-old, a nine-year-old and, you know, mom and dad and just thought, you know, okay, let's just, what could go wrong? Let's just go cross country. But they were awesome travelers. And when we got to the autism society conference, it was the first time I ever felt 
comfortable going into a big event and being around a lot of other adults. I am very socially awkward. To look at me, people wouldn't necessarily know that or tell that up front. But I just had this sense that I had found my people. Mm-hmm. And as I went throughout the few days of the conference, I listened to autistic speakers, Dr. Stephen Shore, who coined the phrase, if you've met one person with autism, you've met one person with autism. He was one of the keynote speakers, and I just completely related to everything that he said. I went into a couple self-advocacy panels And I completely related to everything they said too. And I was thinking, oh my goodness, ding, ding, ding. All of these bells were going off and I'm thinking, yeah, okay, makes sense. And so I hit their little bookstore library, picked up probably every single book that I could find, (laughs) brought it back and, you know, went through the process of getting a diagnosis. And that again was 2009, but At the time, I wanted to write about our experiences. So I started a blog called Aspirations, Come As You Are. We had some technical difficulties. So (laughs) here we go. I think we are all used to it in the Zoom age. So (laughs) absolutely. Um, Just interested to to keep listening because I want to know like, how you how you felt really like if it was like like vindicated like if it was relieved if it was and I'm sure there's some grief to that too oh Tanya um it was so awesome to be able to know that there was a reason a validation for being so quirky and odd I mean I was the kind of kid that grew up and you know, I knew that I was different. I knew that, you know, I didn't fit in. I was that square peg in a round hole. Um, Back in those days, I grew up in California. I lived in California and I was in the gifted program um, and they studied me, strangely enough. This is back in 70s. And they had a program called Mentally Gifted Minors. And they thought because I had this amazing pattern recognition and I could do all of these, what they thought were tricks. Back then, they thought it might be some sort of ESP. So that was the kind of thing that they had going back on then. And I remember going and doing these tests through Stanford. And it was a lot of fun because they gave me free books and I love to read. But I was this weird kid that got taken out of class, got to go and do all of this testing. They would do all of these things. They actually tried to check and see if I could like read people's minds. And I remember distinctly, you know, they wanted me to try to bend spoons and (laughs) with my mind couldn't do that. But boy, did I practice? I'd go home and, you know, my parents had to give permission for this whole thing. I don't think they really knew what it was all all about. Well, they didn't understand (laughs) that it is not the spoon that bends. So (laughs) I, you know, it was the, the strangest thing, but they did so much testing because there were some kids like myself who could do all of these things with our minds that were not typical, but at the same time, we were awkward in so many different ways. For me, I had all sorts of growing up. I had all sorts of sensory nightmares and I had, I was very um, 
very picky eater, had only a few foods that I would eat, very selective. This is a great match with my kids. They're still the same way. I'm still a picky eater, but I have a more um, diverse palate now, but boy, it, it took a while. I had all sorts of aversions to smells. I, you know, I was very athletic, which a lot of kids on the spectrum may have some challenges with gross motor skills. And I was really athletic with certain things. In fact, I even made it to the point where I could play professional sports for bowling and, and went out on tour for a few years and did all sorts of different things in individual sports like softball or tennis or things like that. But if it was something like do a, do a handstand or do a cartwheel or do a pull-up, there was no way in the world I could do it. And um, balance, you know, gymnastics, try to walk across a balance beam. I had no balance. I still, you know, will walk in. If there are walls in a hallway, I will find a way to bump into them. You know, I will find a way to trip over the f- flat floor, you know, those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, but to answer <laughs> to your question before, um, how did I feel? It was just such a relief to know that there was a reason I was so different. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't just, you know, I was adopted as a kid. And so I thought, well, maybe it's just, you know, I, it, it had something to do with that. Um, I'd found all sorts of reasons in my head, might why it might be. I tried so much as a kid to fit in and script my way and girls, you know, um, oftentimes aren't diagnosed as quickly as boys because they can socialize a lot better. Sometimes they can mask, they can script. And for me, I would study magazines to see how people looked. I would, you know, watch people and see how they would dress. And I would try to copy all these things. And I would create these patterns and these workflows in my head on if someone says this, then I'll say this. And someone says this, I'll Mm -hmm. say this. And I could memorize it. And I was in theater and I could do all of these different types of things, but it really was a mask. And I didn't really realize that until later, but, um, yeah, it was exhausting. Day after it day is exhausting. The way I explain it is like, you know, whenever you have an argument with a person and then later on you go, oh, I should have said this and that. It's like, from what I've observed with my daughter, it's like that, but like before it happens. And so there's all <laughs> these possibilities. And I'm like, that must be so, so tiring. Like, yeah. And, you know, you bring up an interesting point because a lot of times then people like myself will perseverate on the conversation if it went the wrong way. So now, oh, 12 years ago, I had a conversation with someone that didn't go the way I wanted. And here I am at night still trying to replay that, like I'm going to potentially be able to have that conversation again. And I'm doing alternative endings. And if this, then this, if I had said this, then this, and then, you know arguing in a, yes. in a sense. And the emotions come right with it. Yes, they do. <laughs> oh my goodness. They do. Yes. yes. And much to the chagrin of my lovely, wonderful husband, John, I <laughs> have this yes. memory for these things. And, um, you know, he, he's neurodivergent too. He's not autistic, but he's dyslexic and he has ADHD, probably has ADHD, isn't diagnosed with that, but 
he's neurodivergent too. And, but he tends to be one of those, I have one box open and then one box shut. Whereas I tend to be the kind of person that's this, I have 15 boxes open. I have, you know, if you look at my browser window, or if you look at my computer screen, I'll have, you know, 25 tabs open and that's my brain too, you know, click, 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 click here, here, here. And, uh, you know, that's kind of the way I have conversation too, when I'm, when I can't direct myself. So, um, yeah, (laughs) that's, what's exciting about the fact that we're getting more educated on on neurodivergency is that I think that a lot of us like because I I got diagnosed with ADHD and and I think a lot of us are finding like like you said you went to this conference and you had to travel to to find your people mm-hmm. and it's like I think because of the internet and because of information accessibility and all that a lot of us are going oh hey and and I think it's so great to have that feeling that you're not alone. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, that is huge. And in fact, that's one of the reasons we wanted to found autism empowerment is because that sense of isolation of not having somebody else who gets it, who knows what you're going through. I mean, that's tough. We want to build community. We want people to know that there's hope. We want people to know that it's going to be, you know, things can be better. You know, things aren't always going to be great, but you can still thrive. There's always a path to move forward. And, you know, meeting other people who have gone through similar situations is just one way of having that validation and that hope to go, okay, if someone else is going through this or has gone through something similar, maybe I can do it too. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's big, you know, for someone like me, a lot of us on the spectrum, we have co-conditions, comorbidities, mental health challenges. You know, I struggle with depression. I struggle with anxiety. Um, those things, you know, it really is helpful when you can know that other people are experiencing that so that you can, you know, kind of push through it. It isn't easy. But, you know, knowing that someone else gets you makes and a I huge feel difference. Like, like, I feel like autism empowerment has really done a great job of that. Like it just, and, and this is, it's leading to the next question that I had for you was that um, you had a lot of support groups, a lot of, you know, village and the pandemic kind of had to put a pause on it. So my question is, what is, what is the future going to look like for, for all of that? Yeah, that's a, wow, that's a really good question. So let me kind of tell people who may not be that familiar with the types of programs we have, what we had before. Yes. And then that way I can kind of, kind of set that picture so they'll see what happened and where we're going to go with that. Because you ask an excellent question. Um, Before the pandemic, autism empowerment served our community in a number of ways. We had community outreach for the Southwest Washington, Portland metro area that consisted of support groups that were online and in person. And that included support groups for adults on the spectrum, parents of adults on the spectrum, um, parents of teens and tweens. And we also had teens and tweens 
meet monthly for a social group, a gaming type of group. We had an in-person Autism Serves Kids Care Club. It was a youth leadership type of program where monthly youth would get together and they would do different volunteer projects and learn about different topics that um, are of importance to our community, Um, civic types of issues, hunger, homelessness, um, seniors, disabilities, pets, all sorts of different things. They'd get to pick out somebody that they wanted to help or an issue that was important to them. And we would do service projects for different other organizations. And that was one of our favorite programs. And we wore our ambassador for acceptance of all abilities t-shirts and the kids and the families volunteered together. It was just so amazing because basically a lot of times our kids are looked at as people who are in need of services, but with the volunteerism program, we could show the gifts and strengths that we had and give to other people. And boy, is that a wonderful feeling inside knowing that you're helping someone else and that you're not just looked at as always being a challenge yourself. So that was one of our favorite programs. Um, we also did a lot of different special events. We had annual picnics. We, uh, we were collaborating with multiple organizations that were sensory friendly movies. There were all sorts of different things. And then we had some social things for adults as well. So that was the community outreach side. Our education portion, we had Spectrum Life magazine which was or is a publication that's quarterly that gets delivered throughout, um, throughout Oregon and Washington primarily, um, although we do have subscriptions available in every state, and it's also available online. And that is a, an autistic-led publication written by and for autism, disability, and neurodivergent communities. And we had our Autism Empowerment podcast. And then other educational training types of things. And we would also do a lot of resource referral. And that that those were kinds of the main things that we did prior to the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So we're on this path of growth. And we had been on this path of growth. And of course, we all know what happened in March 2020. And everything shut down. And the place that we held our support groups and our social clubs, they all closed. And the place that held our um, support groups, um, our kids care club, our support groups for adults in Southwest Washington and our kids care club, they are, they were called, they are called Stevens Place and they're an assisted living community for adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities. So they have not been able to reopen their place to the public since the pandemic. So we have not been able to go back in there and restart. The place that we had the tween and teen social club was held in a church. We also were not able to go back there. We did have a support group that was at Providence Hospital in Portland for our Autism We Embrace support group. That's a support group for autistic adults and non-autistic adults who want to learn from each other. And that was led by Shosti McLaughlin in person, but she has been doing that group through Zoom ever since the pandemic started. And she is still continuing to do that now. So the third Tuesday of each month 
from 6.30 to 8.30, Shasti will do that group. And we have information about that online at our website at www.autismempowerment.org. However, our other in-person groups are not coming back at this time. Okay. The Kids Care Club is expected to come back in the fall. Um, we are excited about that for sure. Yes. Yes. We may be calling it something a little bit different because our kids are now pretty much teens and young adults that were part of it. And we're going to be having some youth leadership. We want to have a youth advisory council. We really want to engage our population in um, sharing with us what they want to do and making, you know, their own decisions and helping us along with what's important to them. So we're going to be having our annual picnic come back on uh, oof, <laughs> Saturday, July. If you bring up the calendar, I'll know. I'm sorry. You cut this. <laughs> oh, is. no. And it's fine because we, I can also add the link to the description whenever we post. Okay. This. So we're excited to bring back our annual picnic. We haven't been able to have one for the last couple of years, but we are coming back on Saturday, July 9th, 2022. Yay. Yay. And we are going to be at Kleinline Park, Salmon Creek Park, Kleinline Pond. And we're going to have information there about trying to bring back the Kids Care Club, um, Autism Empowerment Cares, Adult Volunteerism Programs, and all of those types of things. Um, for us, our focus has been content and really being able to help bring our community together by um, using the gifts and talents that we have to be able to share content through our magazine, Spectrum Life magazine, um, through our podcast, through different trainings, through different outreach that we are doing. And last year, we were able to work with a nonprofit called Geek Cub Books that was closing their doors. And starting this year, we added a sister publication under our nonprofit umbrella called Zoom Autism Magazine. And so that's going to be coming out later this year. It is a digital national publication. It's really awesome. Uh, if you go to our spectrumlife.org website, Actually, if you go to our autismempowerment.org website, it's there too. But if you go to our spectrumlife.org website and click the Zoom Autism Magazine link, you'll be able to download any of the first 18 issues. And the difference between Zoom Autism and Spectrum Life is that Zoom Autism Magazine is digital online and they do their magazine themed by topics. So the last one would have been Black Autistic Lives. And everything in that particular issue was surrounding that topic. They did powerful women. They've done travel, health, all sorts of different things. For the last five issues, that's been their, their thing. And then their first 12 was a little bit different format. But if you go to the site, you can see those, you can download all of them. And then we're also going to be adding all sorts of great content, um, videos, TV stuff. Oh my goodness. I can't, I've got, it's all in my head and I'm like, 
can't get it. That is so exciting. Like, yes. Like I can imagine it's like, I just would explode with all this stuff that's coming up and yeah. I'm super excited. If you look, so we just did our um, spring issue of Spectrum Life magazine. Mm -hmm. So if your listeners do not know about Spectrum Life, we have all of our issues. We've been doing this now for a number of years and all of the issues are free. The current issue, the past issue, you can get the print copies we have on our website, our website at spectrumlife.org. There's find a copy. And if you go to that page, It'll list about 500 to 600, depending upon, I think about, we're up to almost about 600 right now, different places where you can physically pick up a copy. And those were just distributed in mid-March. So they should still be out. And also um, you can always see the digital issues there online. And we do an individual blog for each individual article. So those things, we try to make things as accessible as possible. And speaking of accessibility, we are upgrading our websites to be more accessible to everybody. If you go to our website now, if you look in the lower right corner on either spectrumlife.org or on autismempowerment.org, you'll see a little icon that'll have a person. And that brings up a lot of different accessibility features because we really want to make sure that everybody has the best possible user experience that they can. So we're doing our best. Uh, we're, we're small, we're passionate, we're grassroots, but we're, we're trying our best to make sure that, you know, that we serve people and get the content out there. So that is amazing. I'm in awe of just the growth and the persistence and the resiliency through this pandemic. And it's just, I'm excited to see where it, where it, where it goes and, and how it'll continue to help our community. Thank you. Thank you so much. What's really important to us, and I don't think I mentioned it earlier, is that one important thing about our organization that sets us apart from a lot of others is that everybody um, that's on our board or in key roles is either autistic or or neurodivergent, or they have neurodivergent family members. And we really find it imperative to include the autistic and neurodivergent experience in all of the programs that we do and in our mission and vision, everything, you know, if we don't include people with lived experience in the programming, in the design, in everything that we do, then we're not being authentic. And we really truly want people who are reading our content to know that we get you because we are you, we, you know, and we're allies. It doesn't mean, you know, um, I I think sometimes in the community, you know, it can be very, very divisive in the autism community. So Mm -hmm. autistics against quote unquote autism parents, that's not Mm -hmm. where we think we're let's bring people together. Let's work together. You know, we're going to have conversations. We learn you know, we, we value learning. We want to learn from one another. Let's bring everybody to the table and let's respect everybody's right to choose how they want to identify themselves. And that's so important. Yes, It's so important. And there's so much intersectionality in the autism community. And it's so important that we listen to people that are different than us and 
there's so many opportunities always for us to do better and always to learn more. And we're always willing to share whatever it is that we know, but we know that we know just a very little bit. And so that's why our philosophy, my philosophy is to try to like shine a light on all the great things other people are doing and to showcase other people's stories, to, to focus on that storytelling, that narrative, and just get people to feel and know that, you know, they are part of a community that welcomes them. They're accepted. Yes. It's an extension of that whole, like we were talking about that you're not alone. Mm-hmm. And so we're not going to exclude you. We need, we need all the voices. It's absolutely beautiful. We absolutely need all the voices. Yeah. And so before we wrap up, Mm -hmm. it is, uh, this will come out technically in April. It's (laughs) the big month, autism awareness month. Yes. And so how do you feel that we're at with awareness and, and, and what would you want people to know? Okay. So I think that one, okay. um, For us, we call autism awareness month, autism acceptance month. That's Mm -hmm. just something that a lot of autistic people have chosen to use to focus the month on. Awareness is always going to be important to a degree because there's always people that are going to be coming into the community and we always want people to be able to have access to information that's going to help them and it's going to be meaningful and it's going to make them want to feel included. But at the same time, there's a lot of history of awareness campaigns being gloom and doom and also being, you know, give us lots and lots of money so that we can do lots and lots of research and so that we can do all these things that are potentially trying to eradicate rather than help and support and uplift, right? You know, all of us have challenges. There's no, um, I think it's really important that people know that in this month that all people across the spectrum need support. You know, I think a lot of times there will be this competition of suffering between families that are parenting children who are considered to have really, really high support needs. And they will talk to someone like me and go, oh, you don't get it. You don't understand. You're not like my child. My child has all of these challenges. And you know what? They're right. I'm not going to know what it's like to be their child. I'm only going to know my own experience and they're not going to know mine. But autism is not linear autism is a spectrum, we're going to be up and down across the spectrum in how we present in different things and different challenges from day to day. You Mm -hmm. know, one day our sensory needs may be off the chart. One day our attention may just be, we may not be able to focus. We may have brain fog that's horrible. One day, you know, we may be vocal, but then we might be selectively mute because we just can't get anything out. And then there are not to, um, it's very important to recognize, yes, there are people who have very high support needs that need that extra support. And everybody deserves to be able to have the supports that they need to live their highest quality of life. And we absolutely get that. And I think that um, it's really important 
for people to know that just because someone comes from a different part of the spectrum doesn't mean that they can't relate and be an ally to someone else. Mm. Um, Autism acceptance means respecting the humanity of all people, all autistic people, right? Um, You want to center the needs of people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. You want to make sure that everybody has a voice at the table and those who may be non-speaking, that they still are getting the opportunity to be able to still share their voice and their opinions and to always presume competence and to always know that people have gifts and strengths and that there is progress to be made for everyone. Everybody has, I think everybody has that right to live to their full potential. And during this month, I just want to see people come together. Mm. You know, I just, I'm a, I'm a very positive person by nature, but I get so stressed and so anxious during April because there's so much negativity that comes out where people are going against one another. And for us at our organization, we wanted to try to put a lot of positive messaging out for April. And so you'll start to see that. So um, if your listeners will watch our social media for April, they'll see that. Um, If they watch our website, if they listen to our podcast, if they they will see those things because that's super, super important to have. Um, that is that, that yeah. beacon of light, that, that hope, that, that glue mm-hmm. that brings community together. And there you go. Another example of just how important autism empowerment is to the community. Thank you. I think that, you know, um, it's important for the people out there that are maybe new, maybe their kids have just been recently diagnosed, to know that with our organization, we meet people where they're at, you know, wherever that might be. We know that um, it's a journey and we'll meet you along the way. And we know that your opinions and your thoughts about certain things may change along the way. Mm -hmm. And so have grace with yourself. Um, there is a cycle of ups and downs and that's okay. You know, you may look at someone like me and not think that you could have a conversation, but I was at a very different point many, many years ago and, um, all autistic adults were autistic children. So remember that as well. And it's our role as parents, I think, you know, to empower our children to be the best that they can be right we love our children. We want them to be the best. We want them to thrive. And so accepting them means really paying attention to who they are and meeting them where they're at. And just knowing that, that they're, they were created with gifts to begin with and a diagnosis of autism. They're autistic. That's okay. Autism isn't a bad word. Autistic isn't a bad word. Just remember that it's, 
it's, it's not, you know, it just isn't. Um, yeah. Well, thank you so much for talking to me today. This was amazing. I could talk to you for hours. <laughs> I'm just sitting here going like, why is this like a short podcast? <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted it to be short because you know, I feel like sometimes there's some podcasts that are maybe two, three hours. And, and that's okay. <laughs> but I think that sometimes, you know, with, with the information, just so. <laughs> and I appreciate you, your patience with me, your grace with me. And, you know, I just am so thankful for what you do and for you and the other people there at peace. Um, people empowered and communities enhanced, Enhanced. you know, you have been a wonderful partner with autism empowerment for so many years and we've learned a lot from you and we hope that we will be working with you, Tanya and the other wonderful people there for many, many years to come. Yes. Yes. It's a lot of the stuff you were saying about, you know, bringing together and meeting people where they're at. I'm like, yes, this is what we strive to do too. So, so yes. Well, thank you so much. And I'm you are so welcome. Recording. Okay. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Peace Mini Podcast. If you want to listen to our past podcasts, you can go to peacenw.org forward slash podcast. And if you would like to get notified every time a podcast comes out, subscribe to our newsletter and you can do so on our website as well.